Then the Lord said, See, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Please pray with me. Dear God, we ask you this morning, as we do each week, to be here with us, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. All the kids, I'm sure, as I started rereading that sentence from the prophet Amos, were like, oh man, I thought we were going to talk about the beheading. Beheading is the fun part. But I feel moved to talk to you about Amos this morning. And as I was reading it this week, I was reminded of one of the most pathetic photographs of me that exists. It's interestingly in a scrapbook that my wife made for me. It shows me alone sitting with my back to a cinder block wall with a half drunk gallon of water between my legs. I'm covered in sweat. My mouth is hanging open, and I look, well, I look like I might drop dead at any moment. Now, the picture was taken during a missions trip in college when a bunch of friends and I went to Tijuana in Mexico to build a house for a family whose home was falling apart. This particular trip came just a couple of weeks after I had had some pretty serious surgery, but I decided to go on the trip anyway and just, you know, take it easy. It didn't quite work out that way. Apparently there's no way to take it easy while building a house. Because after only a little while of work in the hot Mexican sun, the group discovered that I was going to be basically useless. Hence the pathetic photograph. Useless is almost the first word you think of when you see this picture of me. But I was there They were stuck with me, so they had to find something for me to do, something extremely low impact. And the thing they found was the plumb line. A plumb line, at least as it existed in 1999, which, God help me, was more than 20 years ago, was basically just a string with a weight on one end used to determine if a wall or some other vertical surface was perfectly straight, perfectly vertical. Somebody would clamber up to the top of a wall and let the weight hang down. Of course, due to gravity, it would necessarily hang perfectly straight, and then you could brace the wall to match. Now, in addition to the plumb line, which was for vertical surfaces, I was also assigned the chalk line for horizontal surfaces. Chalk line is a little box that you hold in your hand looks like a measuring tape. But what you pull out is a piece of string that's covered in chalk, which has been stored inside the box. And you pull it taut across a horizontal surface, and then you pluck the string, like a guitar string, and it shoots the chalk into a perfectly straight line on the ground. So these two lines, the plumb line and the chalk line, for vertical and horizontal surfaces used together as you are building a house, make sure that it is exactly square so that the walls stand straight, the floor is flat, 
the roof will sit properly. And the whole house doesn't eventually come down around the family's ears. Straight lines are incredibly important to a sturdy house. Now, I bet that plumb line technology, although they probably just use lasers today, was pretty similar in Tijuana in 1999 to what it was in the time of the prophet Amos. A string and a weight. Simple but effective. But see, Amos's plumb line, the plumb line that Amos talks about in his prophecy, is being used in a very different way than I was using my plumb line. In Tijuana, I was making straight lines so that we would know how to build a straight house. Amos is saying that God is going to come in with a plumb line to see how straight your house is. You hear the difference, right? I was using my plumb line in advance as we worked to make sure things went together straight. But Amos is describing something quite different here. Imagine that if while my friends were working on this house, I sat silently on the sidelines and only then when it was done came in with my plumb line. What would have happened? We would have discovered all the mistakes we had made, seen that the work wasn't straight, and knowing my friends and me, we'd have had to tear the whole thing down. And that's exactly what Amos is prophesying here. In about 750 B.C., during the reign of King Jeroboam II, Amos arrives on the scene and sees that the nation of Israel has been building a house, but it's not straight. God's chosen people have been given the law and the prophets, many prophets, in fact, before Amos. This is about a hundred years after Elijah and Elisha. But the people have been straying from God's word. They've been building a house that isn't straight. The entire Old Testament prophetic ministry is designed to bring Israel back to faithfulness, but it hasn't worked. Prophet after prophet have confronted the people about their idolatry and their covenant unfaithfulness and warned them about what will happen if they don't repent and return to the Lord. Get back in line. God's chosen people have been called to set themselves apart. But they are behaving in ways that are indistinguishable from the pagan nations around them. Amos is just the latest in a long line of prophets to preach this message. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, he says, on behalf of Almighty God. And the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Everything, says Amos, is going to be torn down. And of course, that's eventually exactly what happens. God comes in with his plumb line, finds that the nation of Israel is completely out of whack and makes them desolate. He lays waste 
to them, sending them into exile and captivity, first under the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And this, this is the bad news that comes with a holy God. When such a God comes in with his plumb line, destruction always follows. See, there's a problem with the plumb line. It's perfectly straight. It's perfectly straight. It makes no allowances or exceptions. If you've worked in construction at any level, even the level that I was working in in Tijuana in 1999, you know that there's no such thing as straight enough. A line is either straight or it's not. A house is either square or it's not. A mostly straight line will lead to a collapsed house. So God coming into a sinful nation with a plumb line is unambiguously bad news. Such bad news that Amos, when he refers to the day of the Lord, and interestingly, he's actually the first prophet to use that phrase. When Amos refers to the day of the Lord, he's talking about a day of doom. Listen to what he says in chapter 5. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it. To anyone who cannot match up to a perfectly straight plumb line, the day of the Lord is bad news. And that includes you and me. That includes us. We are just like Israel. And not just as a nation or a city or a church or even a family. It's Our hearts that are not straight. Our hearts that are idolatrous and unfaithful. And when your heart isn't straight and God comes in wielding a plumb line. Well, goodness, this is what Jesus means in Matthew 7 when he warns people that some will hear him say at the end of time, depart from me. I never knew you. This is the bad news of a holy God wielding a plumb line. Of course, this idea, the idea of an imperfect world, finding it impossible to survive the arrival of a perfect God is one of the central motifs of Scripture. You find it from the beginning to the end. All throughout the prophets, as I've said, it is their recurring announcement. Repent. Return to the Lord. You're not straight. Remember the vision that the prophet Isaiah has of the throne room of God. It's a vision in which he assumes because of God's perfection and his own imperfection that he's going to die. A holy God, he thinks, will necessarily destroy him. 
This theme begins to be played from the very first chapters of the Bible. Soon after creation, God looks at the world and sees how out of line it is and decides to destroy it with a flood and start over from scratch. Later, because of their unrighteousness, because of how out of line they are, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Then after the Exodus, when Moses asks to see God's glory, God tells him that no human can look on him in all of his perfection and survive it. Everyone is out of line. And this goes on into the New Testament too. When Peter meets Jesus for the first time, he can sense God's holiness in him. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter sees God's plumb line inhabiting his word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And in light of that perfection is made aware of just how crooked he himself is. This motif is even clear in the songs that Israel sings about her God. Listen to some of the Psalms. Psalm 130, verse 2. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? Psalm 76, 7. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you once your anger is roused? Psalm 147.17, he hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? Oh, God, the Bible seems to be crying out. If you come wielding your plumb line, who can survive? Perhaps the most precise New Testament analog to Amos is, in fact, John the Baptist. When John prophesied Jesus's coming arrival, he sees him coming with a plumb line too. remember you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers, he says in Luke chapter three, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Even now, says John, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's saying the exact same thing that Amos was saying all those years ago. Watch out. God is coming with his plumb line. He's coming to judge, to see how straight you are. Or more accurately, how straight you are not. And all of your crooked houses are going to be destroyed. But then Jesus actually came. And the good news about Jesus is that he came carrying more than a plumb line. He didn't come simply to measure, find, wanting, and destroy. Because in addition to God's plumb line, Jesus comes carrying a cross, a plumb line and a cross, law and gospel, commandments and promises. If the sermon before Jesus amounted to 
You are God's creation and his chosen. Shape up, repent and return to the Lord. The sermon now in light of Jesus is, let me introduce you to the one who bore your infirmity and gave his perfection to you. Let me introduce you to the one who died so that you might live. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's Luke chapter 2, the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. Fear not, a Savior is born. This was a surprise to the shepherds. Notice that the first thing the angel says to them is, fear not. They assume like seemingly everyone in the Bible before them, that an arriving God is like a building inspector with a plumb line. And such a God rightly fills them with fear. But fear not, says the angel. That's not true today. Today, I have good news. Today, it's Jesus arriving. And he is your Savior. At the hour of Jesus' birth, he is announced by the heavenly host as Savior of the world. And at the hour of his death, that saving is finally accomplished. As Jesus choked out his final breaths, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer was, a deafening silence. The judging God, the bearer of the plumb line, had turned his back on his son, Jesus. All of our jagged edges, all of our warped lines, all of our crookedness had been laid on him. He was made desolate. He was laid waste. All for you. All for me. Remember the Psalms? When you come, who can stand? When you come with your plumb line, who will be found straight? Here is the answer. Who can stand next to God's holiness? Jesus can. Who will be found straight? Jesus was. And the good news for us sinners is that God's plumb line, which would have destroyed us, destroyed him instead. Jesus, the sinless one, gave us his sinlessness and took our sins onto his shoulders. For you, he was made crooked. In him, you are made straight. And he still wasn't done. As a guarantee 
of the whole thing, Jesus didn't stay destroyed. In fact, by rising again on the third day, he destroyed destruction itself. By dying and living again, Jesus destroyed death. And now, in him, made right with God, made straight, you can live. And so now, when God comes with his plumb line to take the measure of your life, by a miracle, on account of Jesus Christ, you, child of God, redeemed by Jesus, you measure up. Your life looks to God like the straight perfection of Jesus Christ. God has called you righteous on Jesus' account. And when God speaks, like those first words, let there be light, when God speaks, the thing he says becomes true. You have Christ's perfection as your own because he has given that perfection to you. In that moment on the cross, in that moment of moments, You were made straight. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin. So that we could become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He died so that you could live. He was made crooked so you could be made straight. He was abandoned so that you could be welcomed home. God has a plumb line. He is holy, righteous, perfect. But on account of Christ and for those in Christ, his measuring has been satisfied for you. The plumb line has been put away. You have been made straight. Christ's righteousness is yours. Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Amen.